to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. I'm recording a solo episode today, and I'm actually recording on a Monday morning. I usually always record podcast episodes either early on Friday morning or on Thursday afternoons, depending on if I have a guest and what which of those options suits them as well. And coming off the back of a great weekend, usually my weekends are really busy and filled with social commitments. Sometimes I'll work, I try to avoid that, and general catch-up on household admin and, and planning for the next week. And this weekend was a little bit different in that we didn't have any external social commitments and I used it as a chance to catch up on personal admin. And that might sound really boring, but I think when when you have things that you have to do, like your personal tax or organising insurance or checking that you've got the right insurance, maybe it's doing some work in the garden, maybe it's booking in your regular health checks, There's a lot of different personal admin things that we need to do. And when we haven't done them, I think that it it builds up and and takes up brain space. Even if we're not fully thinking about something, we know in the back of our mind that there's something that we need to do. And for me, the last three months have been super busy with buying a house, renovating, bringing on a business partner, opening an office in the US. There's been all sorts of things happening. And So I hadn't really prioritized personal admin. And I must say, having spent the weekend getting everything organized, feeling back on top of everything, it feels amazing and it feels like I actually have some extra headspace. And normally I don't mind admin and I'm normally pretty good at staying on top of it. So this was a lesson to me in the last three months of letting that build up and and having that feeling that I hadn't done something, that I'm going to make sure that I don't do that again. And I'm actually putting, would want to put that question out to all of you listening too. Are there personal admin tasks that don't feel important, but you know that they need to be done that are holding you back? And I want to challenge you to commit to some timelines around getting those things off your task list so that you can commit to doing them. So this leads into today's topic, which is around time management and getting things done. And there's three areas that I wanted to focus on here. One is finishing, the other is scheduling tasks, and the third is around having shorter meetings. And time management is something that I've always been interested in. I've always felt like there was too many things to do in a day, and and not necessarily just work-wise, just so many fun things that I wanted to do. And I want to fit in a surf, go to a yoga class, work on the business, catch up with friends. And unless I was disciplined with my time, it wasn't going to be possible to achieve all of those things. So over the years, I've experimented, I've read a lot of books, I've done some courses, and over time started to figure out what works for me. And I wouldn't say that my time management is perfect, but I've definitely learned things along the way that help me to be effective and to have a lot of output work-wise in a given week without necessarily working longer hours. I'll start with finishing. And I actually already had this on my list to talk about. And one of the email lists I subscribe to, which is Brian Castle, he actually sent out an email about this topic this week. 
which was talking about if you're going to start a task, finish something. It's easy to start something, but it's much harder to finish something. And it's those that finish who are the ones that get results. And when you see a finished product, you don't necessarily see all of the iterations, all of the drafts that were cut, all of the testing that was done to get to that finished product. And I believe, I'm a big believer in finishing things as well. And so here are some of the strategies and some examples of how I approach finishing in my daily work and at Bean Ninjas. The first thing I look at, if I'm going to start a task, I want to finish it. And so I want to make sure before I start that I have all of the resources there to complete a task. As an example, if I'm reviewing work of a team member, which is not something that I do often anymore, but back in the early days of Bean Ninjas, I was involved in reviewing every in a financial year pack that we sent out to accountants. And so when I was sitting down to review, first of all, the team member would already have worked through a checklist to make sure that they checked all of the things that I was going to be looking for. Next, we would schedule a time that I was going to be reviewing and I wanted the team member to be available at that time to answer any of my questions and then also go and go and make the changes if they were small so I could re-review and then finalise and send to the client and the accountant rather than having to pick up something and put it back down. So we'd sit down together or sometimes it would just be on a Zoom call. I'd work through the review. They could be working on something else. I'd compile all of my questions because sometimes you can, some questions will answer themselves as you work through a project. So I don't like to, I'm conscious of someone else's time too and not creating constant interruptions. So I would compile that list of questions, finish my review, and then we would go through those questions. They would go and action the simple ones, update work papers, rerun balance sheet profit and loss if, if there were number changes. And then um, while they were doing that, I'd be doing another review. And then as soon as they'd finished, then we would review again and that probably they would show, they'd talk me through the changes and then we'd send it out. And I think switching tasks actually takes a lot of brain space. So if I had to, if they didn't do that for a week and then I had to pick it up again and review it again, I'd have to not go right back to the beginning, but I have to be checking a lot of different things again because I wouldn't have remembered exactly what I had done. Another example of this from last week was we were having some OzKey login issues, which is just a, a platform that you use to communicate with a government department in Australia. And we could have done this via, so it was me and another team member, and they potentially needed um, some password information or security information from me to do this. So rather than going backwards and forwards while they were on the phone and not me, me and me not being available to provide that security information. We set up a call where the team member worked through it, was on the phone to many different government departments, which is the way uh, or different um, sections of the same department, which is what, what can happen. And I was online at the same time working on something else where it didn't matter if I was interrupted. So I would pick a task in this example like replying to comments on social media where you can quickly finish a comment and then if you get interrupted, you're not mid, um, it's not going to be difficult to get back into the work. And so I, we, it probably took about a bit over an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get this resolved. And I was online during that whole period working on something else, but available if I needed to talk uh, on the phone or provide the security answers, then I was available. 
And again, it meant we completed that task and got it finalized without lots of going backwards and forwards and not wasting my team members' time, but also getting it done quickly and not wasting my time. Another example of that might be with a client. So if we've sent reports and there's a number of questions and backwards and forwards coming out, questions about the reports, I think in that situation, it's better to jump on a call and have them have compiled a list of all of their questions and then resolve them immediately on a call where if you provide a response, they have the opportunity to ask questions straight away and then you can respond again rather than over a period of two weeks going backwards and forwards via email, which ultimately would take more of your time and more of the client's time. And again, with these with these steps, I'm not just talking about saving my own time. Everyone's time is valuable. So are you helping team members to save time and also are you saving time for your clients? And so, again, in this example, if you jump on a call and then at the end of that you resolve everything, you can say, well, that set of reports is finished and then close it off and then you can focus on something else. My last example around finishing, and this is probably the most common one, is in a meeting. And this can be some, some team members may find this annoying in a meeting but I don't like going off on tangents. So if, if we're talking about one particular item, it is very easy to go off on a tangent, to move to the next tangent, move to the next tangent without actually getting resolution of the first item. Um, so, so as an example of this, in one of our most recent meetings, we were talking about creating a client exit survey. So if someone does leave, then we want to understand whether it was price, whether they weren't happy with the the speed of their reports or the accuracy of their reports, whether they're moving to an accountant that includes bookkeeping. So we want to dig into that. And rather than spending 10 minutes talking about what might go in the client survey and then moving to the next agenda item, I'd prefer that this is only a small task. Let's actually finish it. If we're going to spend 10 minutes talking about the client exit survey, let's, let's list all of the questions and then assign someone who who's going to liaise with the web developer to get this completed. And even if it's not perfect, at least it's a start and then that can be refined. Um, but something that would I would find frustrating was if we talked about the client exit survey in one meeting and then it wasn't finished. And then in the next meeting, we talked about it again, but no one actually finished it. This isn't possible always with bigger tasks because you might not have, if it's going to be a half an hour or 45 minute job to finish something, then it might not make sense to use the meeting for that. And in that situation, I would want to know who needs to do what by when. So, so there's not time to talk about it or it's not the right forum to, to finalize it or finish it in this meeting. So instead, let's cut the conversation really short then, because if we're not finishing it, do we need to have all of this conversation or instead do we just work out who needs to do what by when if it includes multiple people do they need a separate meeting to finish the item and then let's move on quickly having documented in the in the meeting minutes who is doing what by when and then in the next meeting having accountability around whether that happened i'll move on to scheduling tasks now and there's a philosophy i think it's I can't remember if it's Parkinson's law or I might, I might be getting confused around that, but it's basically whatever the time available, tasks tend to expand 
into and take as long as what is available. So if you have a deadline of Wednesday, then the task will be completed by Wednesday. But if it's not due until the following Monday, so there's some extra an extra three days with the Thursday, Friday, and Monday, then the task will end up taking until Monday to complete. So something I do is schedule short amounts of time to finish particular projects. So rather than me having a task list in my calendar, I schedule my key tasks. So already I've got a lot of recurring team meetings and one-on-one meetings and things like podcast interviews and, and, and even things like approving accounts payable that are scheduled for a set time on a set day in my calendar. And then around that, I will also schedule my priority tasks and know that I've got half an hour to complete this particular project. I've got an hour to complete that particular project. And then it's very clear for me to see whether I've overscheduled the week or whether I need to push some of those tasks into another week. And then I can come back to my, my priorities and what is important, what can be pushed out and what can't, rather than getting to the end of the week and realizing, well, it wasn't possible to complete that task list. So some of the things that I, or some of the techniques that I use when I'm doing this task scheduling, uh, also trying to batch tasks that are similar. I do podcast recordings usually on Thursday afternoons and Friday mornings. And so I know for the rest of the week, I don't need to have my head in the podcast. It is uh, from lunchtime Thursday until lunchtime Friday, I'm thinking about the podcast and I'm in that headspace. I don't, I try and avoid taking meetings on Mondays and Fridays, apart from the podcast interviews on Fridays, and this is absolutely essential. So my calendar is blocked on those days and it would only be if there was a particular reason, an important, something came up that was urgent or someone important was not available to meet at any other time and it was critical that we had that meeting, then I would do it on a Monday or a Friday. And Mondays I try and do deep work. So work on major projects that require brain space, no interruptions, and are difficult. And I try and get them done on a Monday. And that sets me up for the week, knowing that I've finished those. On Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, that's when I do most of my team calls, client calls, and any other kind of calls or podcast interviews or other podcasts. And where possible, I aim to do those calls in the afternoons so that I can complete work like writing in in the morning. That's not always possible because we're working not only in the Australian time zone, but I need to consider what works for US and Europe, for, for people who are in the US and Europe if we're trying to connect. And so sometimes the, the call times aren't, it's not ideal, but if we figure things out as a distributed team with multiple time zones, that's a, a common issue. Another strategy is to book workshops to work on particular tasks rather than have meetings. So if I was working on, um, say something like conference marketing material, I would prefer to sit, to book a workshop of an hour and a half, probably an hour and a half is the ideal time where we actually, I'll sit down with someone and often this will be virtually sit down on a Zoom call. And then we actually work on the project at the same time so we can discuss it if we need to. But but some, a lot of the call we might be silent as we're individually working on different steps. And then the idea is to have completed the project at the end of that workshop rather than independently work on or do our separate parts of the project and then come together to discuss it at different times when it's not as fresh in our head. 
And so using workshops means that you reduce that pickup, put down time if you have to touch the same project multiple times. And I think it also creates accountability to finish it within a, a set time period. Another example of that might be our end of month accounting. So we have an internal accountant who prepares end of month and same kind of, same kind of approach that I talked about when I was reviewing client work. We'll have a set call and I'll review and write out my list of questions at, at the same time. We'll be online at the same time and on a Zoom call working away. And that way, Amy, who does our internal accounts, can ask me questions about my questions and also go and resolve them straight away. And the intention is, as long as there's nothing major, that I can finish my review and close down end of month after that call. Sometimes um, bigger things will crop up, which require more work, and so that's not always possible. But that is the goal, that within the hour, hour and a half, I've picked up, started my review and finished it. Next, I wanted to talk about running meetings. And this might seem like quite a, a dry or boring topic. The reason I wanted to touch on it is that as you move into management and leadership roles, I think a lot of your time is actually spent on team calls and team meetings. So if you can run these meetings really efficiently and effectively, then you might be able to cut out five hours of your week, depending on how long your meetings go for and how many people you're meeting with. Some of the things I consider when I'm looking at what makes an effective meeting is first of all, what is the objective of each meeting? And as a distributed team, sometimes one of the objectives is social interaction because the meeting is or Zoom calls are the only social interaction that we have with different team members because we're not crossing paths in an office. And so if we're aware that that is one of the reasons for the meeting, then I think it's, it becomes clear that it's fine to have some chat about what, what happened on the weekend, how everyone is. And that's actually important for relationship building. There probably is another purpose to the meeting. There usually is. And that might be in a one-on-one call. It might really be to check in and see how a team member is going, how their workload is. Are they happy and enjoying things? Do they feel like they're moving towards their career goals? And so that might be the objective of the meeting rather than finishing a particular task. If it is a team meeting, then one of the objectives might be to make decisions on particular areas of the business, or it might might even be accountability. And where possible, I'd prefer not to use meetings for accountability. I think that if it's providing an update on something, then as long as the right frameworks are in place around what report needs to be provided by when and to who, then you can avoid using meetings for accountability. But sometimes getting to that point might take some time. As an example, if I wanted report reporting around sales, so every week I'd like to know in the business um, the dollar value of the new monthly recurring revenue that was signed in the previous week, the number of new clients, the number of leads, new leads that came in and the number of calls, swiping calls that were booked. If, if we haven't got a clear report around that at the beginning, then I would set up a meeting to discuss the draft report to make sure that I understood it and that me and the sales manager were, were on the same page. Then over time, as that report got more accurate, eventually we wouldn't need a meeting 
and I would just receive a report on that and we could get back to the primary focus of the meeting, which is to discuss things to a point of resolution. And then from that, have if there is an action item, then identify who needs to do what and by when. We use RIKE, which is spelled W-R-I-K-E, as our internal management system. And they actually have the ability to, oh, it's great for meeting agendas. So we'll schedule meetings and they'll have an agenda preset, which we can tick off as we go through. But it also makes it easy to assign action items within the meeting and, and two different people as well. So there, I mean, there's lots of other things we could talk about with meetings, like having agendas, having set time limits to talk about particular things, uh, someone writing notes, uh, meeting notes or minutes. Uh, I, I won't, I won't, the objective with my, share, with me sharing my thoughts on meetings wasn't necessarily to go through meeting best, best practice because I think there's already a lot of information about that, but it was to look at some of the things I consider when trying to structure effective meetings in the business, but also how to keep them short. And again, if we're applying Parkinson's law, I hope that I am applying the right theory here. Then if you schedule half an hour, really trying to stick to that timeframe. So only scheduling half an hour if that's what you need rather than scheduling an hour. Next, I just wanted to round out this chat with some general tips. So these are general time management tips that I use in structuring my day to make sure that I have an effective day, but also an enjoyable day. I want to have fun every day too. And I do find working at in vintages and growing that business fun, but I think it's important to have things outside of that too. When I start my day, I get up in the morning and I do try and do something fun to set up the day in the beginning. And for me, that's usually going for a surf. So I will, I normally get up at around 4.50. I try and be up before five and then drive straight to the beach. I've got my running gear and also surf gear. So if the surf is good, then we'll go for a surf. And I definitely started the day in a fun way. Going for a run, I don't enjoy as much, but it's still nice along the beach. And sometimes if, if I'm, my body's feeling a bit sore or I'm not feeling that energized, that'll be a walk rather than a, a run. But at least I've been out, been to the beach, grabbed a coffee on the way home. And it's an enjoyable start to the day. I do try and have lunch. I, I will sometimes eat lunch at my desk, but, but not working. Um, sometimes if the weather is nice, then I will walk across the road to the beach and have my lunch in the park there, but that's not always possible with the weather. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit too hot or if it's too wet, but I will, regardless of where I actually eat my lunch, I will try and get up and go for a walk and just clear my head. Previously, I used to, when I was working elsewhere, which had, uh, where there was a gym downstairs, I would actually go for a workout or a run and then have a shower and then go back to work. It was a bit of a struggle. I never enjoyed spending time on hair and makeup anyway. And so exercising at lunchtime may mean that that has to happen twice in a day, which is not my favorite thing. But the, one of the benefits of working from home is that that may not be necessary. I also like to know what time I'm finishing work. And that means that I have scheduled my tasks for the day and I know what time I need to get everything done to finish. And if you've got nothing planned for the evening, then there's not as much of an incentive to finish at a set time. So I will usually try and have something scheduled and whether that be a yoga class or 
on Mondays I have touch footy or maybe it's even just it's a, a date night with your partner but knowing that you've committed to being home at a certain time means that you finish your work quickly and then go off and enjoy doing something else. I avoid in-person meetings where possible and try and use video conferencing instead. And that means I really believe in the value of relationships and face-to-face time. So that may sound counterintuitive that I'm avoiding in-person meetings. And for me, that's just avoiding them during the day, during my prime work hours. I want to be smashing out the work. Um, and then when I am spending time on in-person relationships, I prefer to do that at something like an event and spend more than then half an hour, an hour with that one person and and be focused on meeting a number of different people. And I really do value relationships. So as I said, this might sound counterintuitive, but think of it this way. If you're meeting with someone, one of you needs to drive somewhere, so there's travel time. If you've gone to the effort of driving somewhere, you're probably not going to just have a half an hour meeting. It's probably going to go for an hour and then there's travel time after that. Whereas I think most catch-ups can be done via video conference in half an hour. So you've saved time there. And then from there, you can decide whether an in-person meeting is uh, necessary. And, and if it is, then set something up, not during your prime time work hours. And so, so I want to be, be clear here that I'm not devaluing in-person meetings. I, I think that face-to-face relationships are important. But I would be a lot more picky about who you are doing in-person meetings with, and especially if it's during prime work hours when that's when you can achieve. So if it was, say, 10 a.m. for me, which is when I'm in the zone and getting great work done, it would really break up my flow if I had an in-person meeting at 10 from 10.30 to 11.30. So I'd be very conscious about when I was doing those. And by reducing in-person meetings and also from the, the section earlier around having shorter meetings, that actually frees up time to focus on mo- your most important work. And in my case, some of my most important work, I feel like that is time spent with my team and developing them. But a longer call isn't necessarily a better call. So I could still be spending time with different team members and developing them, but doing that in 20 minutes rather than spending an hour on, on the call. I see other aspects of my most important work as a CEO, as working on strategy, also systemizing our business and activities that help to remove me from the day-to-day so that I can focus more on strategy. And I, I also involve the team in creating systems. And we have a couple of different podcast episodes around that. There's one that is specifically around creating systems. And there's also one where I talk about the type of work that I do as a CEO and where I see what is working, but also where I see room for improvement around that. And then something else I'm quite involved in at the moment is also developing content. And I feel like these are all valuable activities. Maybe developing content content will get handed off at some point, but creating systems, that's definitely one of my core strengths and the same with strategy and also team development. And they're all things that I enjoy doing too. One other tip, and this is a very this, I think this is widely known, but I, I will try and close Slack, which is our internal communication and emails when I'm working on a particular task. I will often to complete a task, it requires communication with someone else. So I will need to open up Slack 
and emails and then respond. A technique I use with with Slack is to not open a thread unless I'm going to reply to it because it's very easy to miss replying. So if I don't have time to reply, then I'm going to avoid reading as well. Uh, and that I think it's sufficient because it's, it takes up brain space if you're reading something and thinking about it, even if you can't take action. So it would be better just to read it when you can take action. And then the other is it can be easy to miss things in Slack because they don't sit in your inbox, in the, the unactioned messages the, the way that they would in an inbox. Right, that's that's everything from me in terms of the lessons and tips that I wanted to share in terms of what's working for me. And I'd love to answer questions around this too. So make sure to send in any thoughts or questions or anything that's working for you too.